starting in John 9, verses 1 through 12. I'll give us a moment to get there. I see that it is on the screen. So, John 9, starting in verse 1. As he, was, or as he was passing by, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God, God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on, the eye, on his eyes. Go, he told, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar said, Isn't this the man who sat begging? No, others were saying, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I am, I'm the one. Therefore they asked him, Then how were you, your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being on the inside of us, but not just being on the inside of us, but also coming and manifesting yourself to us here this morning. I thank you, Father, that you are here. We recognize that God is here, that, that we are gathered together as a body. And whenever we are gathered together as a body, you are here with us. So we recognize Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father right now. We say, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are stepping back into John's Gospel, and we have spent many Sundays carefully working through each chapter um, and verse, and I'm excited to get back into uh, that pattern of going through this book. Um, this is a great, actually, introduction into this beautiful narrative. This is a, this is a great story and a great chapter to start on. Um, this, this chapter using the imagery of a pool Jesus, the light of the world, the one in whom God sent, sending a blind man to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Jesus is the Messiah, and he has come to not give us all the answers we think we want, but he has come to give us new sight. He has come to heal our vision. He has come to heal blindness. Jesus saw a man that was blind from birth, and he knew what he was supposed to do. His disciples 
ask him a question. And this question is extremely specific. Who sinned? Was it this, this man or his parents? The disciples are asking basically a multiple choice question. A or B, Jesus? Here are your options. Who, why is this man in this position? We have speculated and we know from our culture that, that, that some of the teaching is sin um, results in some sort of um, disability or results in some sort of situation that we are put in. And it's all a direct correlation. And that, that, that whole thing, that, my, that your personal sin means that you are put, an ailment is put on you is, is false. And they are asking that him a very closed-ended question. Who sinned, the man or his parents? And I want to I talk today, and I want to talk this morning, about how we often do the same thing. We often find ourselves in the same situation as these disciples, looking at other people and saying, why are they in this situation? Oh, I know, I bet it was either this or that. Do we do this? I do it. I was actually, um, after I went over my notes and thought of all the things that I was going to say, I was actually up in the kitchen talking to my wife, and I found myself doing this. Talking about someone and the situation that they are in, and, and kind of figuring out, trying to speculate, and figure out why those people were in that position. Do, Am I going to do anything about that? Am I going, is that, or is that just talk? What is it? It's wrong, and it's ungodly, and it's evil. How many times are we going through our lives and something happens to somebody else or even to us, and, and us being the know-it-alls that we are? Us being the people that know how to fix everybody else's problems. Well, if they would just do this, but we don't even have the courage. Or we, Why wouldn't we just go to, go to them and talk to them and extend grace and extend mercy? Maybe some of us don't go as far as asking God about it and give Him the same type of multiple, multiple choice question, but we do probably do this almost every day. We reduce complex situations in other people's lives into critical thinking exercises with our loved ones. This is not good. This is human nature. I mean, not necessarily human nature, but this is the way of the world. This is the way the world does things. And Jesus was very... Um, a couple chapters ago, when he was talking about his brothers, he was very clear about the ways of the world and the ways of God. That he had his plan, and he can't do what the world does, because he doesn't do what the world does, but he, he has to follow God's plan and God's character, because Jesus is what? He is the Christ. What is Christ? Christ is God's intentions toward his creation. And God's, God's intentions towards creation is to extend grace and mercy and holiness and, and righteousness. Yes. And it's not the way of the world. The way of the world, and he even said to his brothers, you know what, brothers, you can do whatever you want to do. You can go and, and try to go the way of the world because, you know what, you are of the world. He was calling them out and saying, 
you know what? Go ahead, go do whatever you want to do. We should not be doing whatever we want to do. And if we do want to do whatever we do, we can be of the world. That's not good. All, all, so, so this is what these disciples are doing. They are reducing this man to this multiple, um, multiple uh, choice question for Jesus. And all, all along this man that has a huge disability is right there in front of them. Blind from birth and the disciples have stripped him of his humanity and his potential and turned him into a very closed-minded question. Jesus gives them a basic answer that doesn't tell them what they want to hear. He simply says, neither. Who sinned? The parents or the son? Neither. You're missing the point. He says, you're missing the point. I am here, and God has sent me to do work. That's the point. Because we have been going through John, we know that Jesus has been given works. And we know what these works are meant to do. They are proof. They are what bears witness that Jesus is the Messiah. They are to glorify Jesus and to prove that he actually is the Christ. He is the embodiment of Christ. God's will and intention towards creation. He is God. He is the visible image of who God is. John 5, 36, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about these works. He says, but I have a greater testimony than John's, John's being um, John the Baptist, who bore witness about Jesus and said he is the Son of God to the other Pharisees. And Jesus says, I'm just mentioning this, but I don't, take any, I don't take any of that credit that John's giving to me because I have a greater testimony. He says, he says, I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. He says, these very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. These works that were given to Jesus to perform were to reveal to men that he, Jesus being the light of the world, to bring some sort of new way of thinking, to bring um, clearness and clarity to a people that are far off, to a lot of lost people. The Israelites are the lost ones in this story. When, when we have all of the parables of everything else, when we have the 99 sheep, the lost sheep, those are, those are the people that have wandered away from God, the Israelites. It's not necessarily talking about us directly and about lost people directly. It's talking about a people that have lost and lost their way. The trajectory was off. The Israelites were on a trajectory that God placed them on when he pulled, made a covenant with Abraham. And that trajectory was supposed to be in covenant with God and be a blessing to all of the world. And their trajectory, when they were influenced by the world, went off and they became lost. And Jesus, in these stories, is seeking to save what was lost. Yes, there are lost people that don't know Jesus, but they're not, that's not the way they're talking about in these. So Jesus has been given works to reveal to the Israelites that he is their Messiah. 
he, and he is the Messiah of the whole world. We do know that. But, but, but it, so these very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me, that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ. So Jesus, he sees a blind man, and it doesn't matter why he is blind. It doesn't matter why he is blind to Jesus. It is an opportunity for God's work to be displayed. And that's what he tells the disciples it's about. For God's works to be displayed. So Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of what he told the Pharisees. Uh, he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. The law being the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They're holy scriptures. Jesus is a fulfillment of the Torah. From a very young age, a Jewish boy would start memorizing the Torah and how well he did. He would graduate and actually um, have a rabbi and he would follow around that rabbi and start preaching what that rabbi would preach. And then after he followed that rabbi enough, he then became a rabbi. And then he would be able to preach in the synagogues amongst peers. And he would be able to summarize part of the Torah. And then, then his peers would say, this is a fulfillment of the Torah. What you, you, have, you have basically uh, done a good job at um, interpreting what those passages meant. And Jesus came and said, not my teaching, not what I've learned from anybody else, but me, who I am, the Christ, the Messiah, is, I am the fulfillment Jesus. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So in Isaiah 35, 5, when it says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets. When, it, when in Isaiah 42, 6 says, I, Yahweh, have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets. Jesus is a fulfillment of these passages from the Old Testament. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Word become flesh. And it's easy sometimes to not see this, to look at the Old Testament. And um, Jesus' own people did not see before their eyes the fulfillment of the Law and the Prophets. And groups of, groups of His own people did not see this. And some, even today, look back to the Old Testament prophets and try to ascribe imagery and try to see them not through the scope of Jesus. This whole book that we have, from Genesis to Revelation, needs to be seen with an understanding of Christ, with an understanding of Jesus. We don't go to the book of Revelation and try to speculate on what it could mean today. We look at it understanding what Jesus is and he came to accomplish. We look at the Bible as a whole, a, a complete narrative from Genesis to Revelations, telling a very cohesive story. It's not about speculation. It's about Christ. It's about God. And it's about him 
taking a world, his good creation that he created, and in and, and, uh, evil, evil coming and uh, perverting that good, a, a, a figurehead, someone that can't be seen by our, our five senses, this evil behind it all, Satan, devil, taking creation and corrupting it, corrupting man, and then man being taking sin in that, that snake venom or that, that snake wrapped around man's heart. Well, one day that head will be crushed by Jesus. And when you accept this, when you accept that Jesus, God, came in the Christmas story, in Advent, in, in wrapped up human flesh, and showed us a way, and lived as an example, and died, and took, took basically the most heinous form of, of, of torture, the device of the cross, and transformed this device of torture into a sign of victory. An empty cross in an empty grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, 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 that Jesus left, but he made a promise to the people that he saw. He said, go and bear witness to everybody. Bear witness that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. Tell people about who I am, Jesus. Go out, heal in my name, deliver in my name, preach the gospel. And I'm going to come back again. And we're going we're gonna to live on this good creation recreated in a new heaven and a new earth. That is the story of the Bible in a nutshell. And that is what Scripture is, is that we, we read the Scripture with that in mind, the Gospel. There, there's, that, that's the timeline. It's very stripped down in a brief and not detailed timeline. But that's what it is. And if something doesn't line up with that trajectory, we need to, we need to have discussions about how important those things are. Maybe they, we don't need to pay as much attention to those things as we do the meat of the gospel. We need to take Jesus, who is God, seriously. Through the revelation of Him, as the Christ, the stories of the Bible become more than just story. We see that through Jesus, God's purpose, purpose which is Christ, is revealed to us. Jesus, the Word made flesh, and when that is revealed to us, it changes everything. A book that was once words and story becomes alive to someone that have, has, has seen Jesus and Jesus has come into their life and has changed them from the inside out. What, what we read, the scripture, turns from just a simple book to something that is alive. So, does it matter how this blind man is? No. Not once encountered by the living, breathing Word, sent to do the works of Christ. His state and purpose is for God's work to be displayed. The condition God finds people in does not matter. As human beings, we like to make up reasons that are, are weak speculations at best to try to explain why someone is in a bad way. 
instead of looking at someone and seeing the potential for God's work to be displayed, we start to assume how they found themselves in that situation instead of seeing a life of potential. A, 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 we, instead, of, instead of seeing God's glory, a potential for God's glory, we like to speculate and point fingers at how they are who they are. What, how did they end up in this place? Why are they like that? And why do they go there? And why do they do this? And we point fingers and say they're bad instead of saying, you know what they are? What kind of... They're, they're an opportunity for God's glory to be displayed in the earth. Jesus is explaining to the disciples that right now it's daytime. Right now is the time we need to work because there is going to be a time where I will be delivered, which will be the night when Jesus is delivered into the hands of Roman authorities. And he will be delivered into the hands of death and will be taken. There are more works for Jesus to walk in that bear witness of who he is. He, express, he is expressing the importance to be mindful of purpose in this moment to the disciples. And the story does go, go like this. Jesus continued in the works. He continued to do miracles until he was delivered into death. He willingly laid down his life and in doing, in doing, he showed the ugliness of sin. Three days later, Jesus rose again and walked with and revealed his resurrected self to his disciples and many others. He then commissioned the disciples to go and create more disciples with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, knowing his time was drawing, drawing near, made a point that before his death, there was a sense of importance about him. It is daytime, and I need to work to show myself as the Messiah. And when the night comes, this chapter will be over. He, he will never, in that moment, be able to reveal himself in that form, basically. There will be no more opportunities for him to do the works that that were our signs to point to, to him as the Messiah. We see from the book of Acts that the work of Christ did continue through the church. We know that Jesus gave the church instruction to bear witness that Jesus is the Christ and he died and rose again. He won the victory and defeated death, hell, and the grave and he has promised to return and fully establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. In the meantime, we do what Paul instructed in Romans 13, starting in verse 11. He says, besides this, knowing the time, it's already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep. For the night is nearly over and the daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impur impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy fleshly desires. There is a kingdom coming. 
It is invading our lives more and more every day, and we should be expectant of that. We should expect God's kingdom invading our lives every single day. It is the kingdom of heaven. We, by faith, live and see this kingdom. We live in this kingdom, and we, by faith, see it through being having fruition and growing. We see the narrative in the Word of God, and it brings expectations. It brings hope. We see the poetry of Psalms in the different parts of the Bible, and it shapes the way we have prayer and praise in different, different parts of our life. We see the instructions, the, the prose discourse, the, the letters, the essays, basically, that Paul wrote in his letters that, that the apostles wrote, the, that, that we have in Deuteronomy, and it gives us instruction and, and shows us a way to how to shape our life. This is all a work of God in His Word, in, in a work of the Trinity. Our daytime, our daytime, like Jesus's, it's right now. Amen. Our night has not yet come. We are alive, yeah. we are breathing, yeah. and we are able to do the works of Thank God. God. Yeah. There's a sense of urgency. It's important. We are alive to do the works of God. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that He is before ordained that we should walk in them. Are we mindful of this every single day of our life? Are we mindful that there are works for that day to be done, for me to walk in, that God's grace has already established in those works, and as I step in faith into those situations, I will be empowered by something that is not me. I will be empowered by the greater one that's on the inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And every single day of my life, he has provided works that I am able to walk in. His kingdom coming into the earth through the life that He has deposited on the inside of me, a treasure in hidden vessel, or a, yeah, treasure in a hidden vessel, or in a vessel, a treasure in earthen vessel, treasure. treasure. <laughs> yes, but that life is on the inside of the ones who follow Christ, of the one who puts their faith in Jesus. And his life, his death, and his resurrection, they are made into a brand new creature. This is the gospel that we preach to ourselves every day, knowing that it's daytime. There's going to be a moment when each one of us, unless Jesus comes back, falls asleep. Uh And we're not going to be able to work anymore. Our night will come. It's daytime. The opportunity is now. And, and the funny thing is, God, the creator of the universe, the one who is the beginning and the end, the one that's from everlasting to everlasting, has chosen to execute his will through human flesh. He did this in the Old Testament, and he ultimately did this through Jesus Christ. And he is continuing to do it through human flesh today. He executes his will through human flesh. He executes His will through you and through me. 
So the state of the world, the state of the world, the state of our society, what we see around the death, the division, the, the discourse, it's daytime. The night's coming. We've got to do the works. By grace, by mercy. It's, it's serious. We walk by faith and not by sight. The world is changing every single day. And it's changing fast. We can see it. On all sides of society, we see more and more divisions. People are caring more about their individuality than, than community, about well-being of others. They're thinking more about their self and how they can define themselves and separate off and say, this is who I am. They're giant, there's these giant chasms that are forming. People on one side saying the people on the other side are wrong, and just a bunch of pointing fingers and speculation about how those people got in that situation, and oh man, it's so awful. If we're not careful as the church, we will find ourselves on one of those sides. I mean, look politically, we have the religious right, and now we have the religious left. And they're all just pointing fingers at each other, saying this is why they are in this situation. Would Jesus be on other, either side? No. Jesus would not be on either one of those sides. He has come to serve. Jesus has come to serve and break down the barriers and break down the bubbles and say, you know what? Each person shares one quality regardless of what, how they define themselves or regardless of who they think that they are, every single human being shares one distinct characteristic that is inescapable. We all bear the image of the Creator. Every single human. Whether it's, it's someone off in Pakistan or it's our next-door neighbor, we all bear the image of the Creator. Every single human bears the image of God. Every single human, no matter what, what, where they were born or what they were born into, no matter what sins filled their past, they are all alive for a purpose. We are all here and alive for a purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, it's the same as the blind man's so that God's works can be displayed. 